In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow with host Aileen Drexler. I'm having a relationship with my pizza. In a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram. Just doing my workout. Tuesday's arms and back. But feels anything but in real life. Is butter a carb? Yes. This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well-being. I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. From people who understand the struggle. I'm on the third day of my cleanse diet. Hello and welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm your host, Aileen. You know me, but before we jump in to this episode, I want to remind you guys that your reviews mean everything to us. If you're a fan of this show, just please leave us a review. Tell us why you love it. You can tell us topics you want us to talk about, but just like, why not give us the five stars with that advice? You know, it means the world to me personally and to the team that makes this show. And also, check out our Shop Betches DST merch. We're also making more. Literally, we have meetings on the schedule to talk about all of the amazing merch we want to make. So if you have merch that you want us to make that you would be like, I would wear this every day, you can write it in the Facebook group. You can write it in a review, five stars, please. And just don't forget shop.betches.com or just shopbetches.com. Check it out. And again, don't forget to subscribe to DST Back for Seconds. You get two bonus episodes a month with me and Sammy and ad-free listening. So today I am joined by Sirat Chawla, who is a London-based psychotherapist who focuses on trauma-informed therapy. And I first discovered Sirat on Instagram. And her Instagram is very unique. I think it brings a different voice to social media. And I was really, really intrigued by her perspective. She discusses the phenomenon of insta-therapy. And I was just really interested by her tough love approach to mental health and Instagram. Welcome to the show, Sirat. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here and talk to you. I'm so excited to talk to you. So can you just quickly tell the audience, tell me about yourself? Like, how did you get started? What kind of therapy you do? And then how does that translate to social media? So I got started because I actually have a PTSD diagnosis and um, not really understanding what was wrong or what I was struggling with was what led me towards an interest in psychology. And um, kind of going down that path and realizing how fascinating I found it, how much I enjoyed working with people. And that's kind of, uh, you know, sort of, in one sense, how I got started. The kind of work I do is, I used to work primarily with refugees, like people with with serious trauma. Um, and uh, I worked for a little while in the NHS, and now I have a private practice, uh, NHS being our national health service here in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I do work that's sort of um, more psychoanalytic, insight-based therapy. So when you think of, of traditional psychotherapy and really looking at um, not just what's happening on the surface, but like the tectonic plates of your being, like really going in deep and 
looking at the patterns, the ways of being we've developed from when we were, you know, from from day one, I guess. And some of those things are so ingrained and so sort of um, second nature or our nature that it's like the water we swim in. You can't necessarily see it. And yeah, there's so much work there, so much work to be done. So that that's my interest. That's what I do. Thank you for sharing. So you said psychotherapy. There's so many different psychotherapists, psychologists, psychiatrists. Look, what is the difference in those practices? So psychotherapist, um, here in the UK, I'll say, um, psychotherapist is someone that practices psychotherapy. Psychotherapy is kind of, it's a pretty special skill that involves working collaboratively with someone in a relationship, but a relationship that's not like any other relationship. That's sort of quite key for psychotherapy. And it's about making the unconscious conscious. It's about helping people to make meaningful change in their life. Um, Psychology is the science of psychology, of human behavior and the human mind and disorders and abnormal psychology, and there are very many branches of it. So in the UK here, it's only psychologists that can diagnose, psychotherapists practice psychotherapy, and then a psychiatrist is an actual um, medical doctor that works with, you know, they are the, the prescribers, and they're the people with sort of very in-depth knowledge about um you know, neurology, neuroanatomy. And Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a very multidisciplinary thing where all three branches kind of support each other. Well, thank you for explaining that. (laughs) So just going back, how did you get started on Instagram? How do you feel like your approach sort of translates to social media? (laughs) I got started on Instagram very, very, it was completely on a whim. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a very private person. I really like, even on my Instagram, there's next to nothing about me on there. Um, And uh, I have this sort of um, issue with wanting to be quite private in the increasingly online world. And kind of on on a whim thinking, oh, I should really work on that. I should work on not being quite so private. Let me see what it's like to be, to do the least private thing you can do, which is to go on, on to social media and start, you know, sharing of yourself. Um, and that's kind of how I got started. I had no idea about Insta therapy. I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't, I, I, I actually was so naive. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be interesting to have a therapist on Instagram? I'm sure no one's done that before. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and I kind of found myself on there, started my uh, first posts you can see are horrendous and um, kind of kept going. And I found that more and more people were interested in what I had to say. And that's just how I how the ball started rolling. And kind of in being involved, my my if you look through my whole feed, it's it's evolved. You can see where my ideas have changed and my perspective has changed. So I suppose I suppose um my content now is very much based on what I've observed because of having a social media platform. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, after joining, I'm sure it's now different, which I think is definitely yeah. reflected because because you touch on Insta therapy a lot. So that's really what I want to talk about is just everything that you do post about because I really don't see it anywhere else. Everything else on Instagram is is the stuff you're trying to bring to light. So what is Insta therapy? So Insta therapy is kind of my, um, it's, it's, I guess it's the whole niche of 
these let's do people self-described healers <laughs> healers and um which again i even have an issue with that little bit because it's so narcissistic to describe yourself as a healer but so all these people who everywhere from enneagram experts to therapists psychologists coaches astrology spiritual people they've all kind of come together in this amorphous blob that is wellness instagram um so that's kind of all of it together i call it insta therapy because it's um i guess it's a play on words because it's not just instagram therapy it's also insta therapy so like hitting on the on the um ephemeral nature of it and the superficial nature of it because of course therapy is not an insta thing it's a very long very complicated process and i talk about it because i find it quite horrifying that this is leading the conversation on mental health in such a perverse way and i've started to i started to see it in my work people would come in and say oh this is my this is what i've learned from instagram invariably it would be appallingly misinformed and causing them more distress in their life um and yeah it's it's uh, there's like socially quite a few things happening it's a bit of a perfect storm it's like social media and the way um that's shaping human behavior especially group behavior on social media weird insta therapy stuff and kind of the culture that's being that's it's like a feedback loop the culture feeds into it it feeds into the culture can you share some examples of like things to look out for that would be considered in this insta therapy mm. blob or well, anything that completely absolves you from any responsibility for your own life you should run away from that screaming and, like you know, what there's like what's a line like that you read the okay so you constantly see you are valid and which again i find it so absurd like why is the word valid now a part of this conversation why are feelings valid or in that they aren't valid or invalid they just they just are why are we trying to put stamps of approval on them and then just you know these people who will put out a a post saying i love you or you are worthy to strangers it's so disingenuous and it's it's like it's it's the sort of very performative it's like a pantomime really and then this whole idea that everyone has trauma and then the bastardization of the term trauma to mean unpleasant experience it's mm. completely dis- divorced from what a traumatic experience and what ptsd actually is so you know and this this jargon that's thrown around like of attachment styles trauma codependency and you know people f- find five or six words like this create a psychological identity around it and then self diagnosed with all kinds of problems misdiagnose and the problem with buzzwords is they limit thinking you know as soon as you start to give yourself a label of some kind right i have anxious attachment then you fit your experience to the label that's not what the label is for as opposed to thinking about what's really going on for you do you have anxious attachment or do you have an anxiety disorder and that shows up in relationships or do you have anxious attachment or are you dealing with this really strange dating culture we've developed where people are disposable um you know there's so much else that's possibly going on do you have anxious attachment or do you have a thyroid problem 
and you're just anxious all the time because there's a physiological reason. So it's yeah, it's 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 concerning. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So just going back to trauma, because that is the specialty of yours, can you define like what actually is a traumatic event versus things that people now think is experienced trauma? It's sometimes hard to say what a traumatic event is, but there's something called traumatic exposure. So that's something that you experienced that was traumatic, like, um, you know, your house caught on fire, you were in a car wreck, or you were assaulted, or you were a soldier who went to war, or you're a refugee. And a lot of, a lot of, or everyone, I think, goes through some kind of traumatic exposure in life at some point or another. You can't, you can't really go through a few decades on this planet and, and come out of it unscathed. But that doesn't always develop into PTSD. And what PTSD has very distinct, discrete criteria, like you have nightmares, flashbacks, night terrors, intrusive thoughts, chronic avoidance and isolation. So PTSD is a very specific thing. It's very hellish. And this hypothesis that anything that upset you in the past or was unpleasant in the past that still impacts you in some way is trauma is just, you know, it's an assertion. Of course, it's not trauma. That's life. Everybody goes through difficult things. Of course, they upset you or they shape you in some way. And it's it's basically redefining the experience of life and going through adversity as if it's a traumatic experience like the most vulnerable population. Do you think that all of us going through the pandemic is a traumatic experience? No. There's variability there, right? So most people or a lot of people on Instagram, you're materially okay, but you're suffering because you're locked down and there's uncertainty. That's more like an adjustment disorder, which is like a kind of depression because something has happened, something difficult and, and very stressful. That's not trauma. And I don't think we could we can really underestimate the impacts of lockdown. They've been pretty um, heavy. 
they've been people have been pretty impacted by the kind of isolation where a social animal that's you know cut off from from anything that's social that's a serious thing not trauma though so you're not denying someone's negative experience you're just saying that it's no, of course to be not. careful with classifying your experience as trauma yeah. or worse than it may be but don't yeah. you think that there's a like a yeah. range of experiences based on that person's perspective or do you think it's very absolute if you have somebody who died close one who died in covid like that's traumatic yeah and you, somebody who hasn't just you can't compare or is it a spectrum when it comes to psychology and human behavior there's there are no actual absolutes there's mm-hmm. a lot of variability there and i think unless we interview every person individually we can't know um yeah. of course losing somebody to covid is traumatic exposure of course it is how could it not be uh it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go on to develop ptsd mm-hmm. uh, but it yeah of course you're still impacted by it and then, and hopefully you have support through that there's you can't you you know there's there's more than a binary take here it's not you don't have trauma which means um you know nothing's wrong and you're absolutely fine and you're whining and shut up that's not the answer it's it's not trauma doesn't mean your pain or your difficulty is trivial but let's stop misnaming everything and stop diagnosing yourself from Instagram like everybody is nuanced yes. go see someone if you're yeah. experiencing something negative so just going back to the content on Instagram do you think this is coming from a narcissistic society or do you think it's creating a narcissistic society oh that's so difficult to answer um <laughs> i think we are seeing the impacts of coddling across a couple of generations now children who are brought up with self-esteem parenting constantly told they were special and those people are adults now and you know also life has been made unrealistically easy that's what coddling is and then those kids grow up and they can't cope with anything and a lot of those people are the ones making content now saying listen you have trauma because you went through a life experience everybody does and there's next to no dialogue about things like anti-fragility or um human resilience or the fact that we've evolved for you know the the human organism if you think of our entire evolution it's millions of years um gone through famine flood wars um everything you could think of through our entire human history and now we're saying being invalidated traumatizes you like <laughs> really so you know that's the messaging that people are getting and if you constantly tell people you're fragile you're fragile you're weak you're incapable at some point they're going to start to believe it because there's there's almost no messaging out there that says no you are capable yes this is really difficult what's going on what's what you're going through um you know i will support you i will help you to help yourself and help you to see that you are capable you're resilient you can do this there's very very little messaging around that says anything like that it's much more oh your pain is valid and i can see it and now you should depend on me mm So this coddling element that's what you think is like coupled with the insta therapy like what is a coddled adult yeah how do you know if you, you yourself 
somebody who's listening is a coddled person. I think um, well, coddling is, is really beautifully outlined in the book Coddling of the American Mind by Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukanoff. And I recommend everybody reads that. And just in the beginning of the book, they have a beautiful example, which is that peanut allergies in children rose some astronomical level in one generation. And this was because before kids used to have exposure, even kids with allergies or, or you know, you'd have peanut butter in schools, you'd have exposure to the, to the potential allergen. Then they decided, and this is the coddling part, because some kids might have an allergy, ban all peanut products from schools completely. So they never had an exposure. And the number of allergies just went through the roof. So that's what, and that's just, that's what coddling does. You, you, um, it's only through, just like your immune system, you encounter a pathogen um, and your body fights it off. You develop antibodies and then you have some immunity to that. You overcome it. You're strengthened to it. You run into the same pathogen again and your body can, can protect you and you're okay. You know, obviously within reason, not every, uh, some pathogens are lethal and deadly, but, um, and this, this idea of the pathogen in the immune system, it's called the hygiene hypothesis. And that translates really beautifully to coddling, which is that you remove anything that could possibly upset, offend, cause discomfort from people completely so that when they do come across it, they just fall, fall to pieces or they get really angry and entitled and scream at you. And also this phenomenon of everybody's offended by something like that didn't exist like 67 years ago. Where do you think this kind of came from? Is it the same coddling, like entitlement? I think that's a big, um, a decent chunk of it. I think it's also, you know, decades ago, probably people had no concept that healthy self-esteem is a good thing. And so it's good we are talking about those things. It's not good that we're overcorrecting from self-esteem to self-indulgent kind of posturing and whatever we see. So, you know, all those years ago, I yes, people had more resilience. They also probably stuffed down their feelings a bit more mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe didn't reach out, reach out for help when they needed it. And so it's good the conversation started. Where the conversation is now devolving to, though, is less good. So I think the offense stuff is now um, this late stage of this conversation that has kind of turned sour. And we've gone from uh, uh, the conversation being healthy to the conversation enabling quite unhealthy things. Because anything it taken to an extreme is unhealthy. Water, if you drink too much water, that'll poison you and kill you, right? So you know, too much of a good thing is not a good idea. And taking even self-esteem and, you know, live your truth and all these kinds of ideas to the absolute extreme, you end up with a lot of people who can't even cope with the difference of opinion, are utterly self-obsessed, prioritizing their feelings, this kind of fetishization of feelings that's happening. It's very, Mm -hmm. very odd. I, yeah, I was going to ask you about the feeling, how you talk about there's a, a far too much emphasis on feeling and nowhere near enough on thinking. Can you yeah. like talk about that? One of the most basic self-regulation skills is your ability to evidence test or reality test your own thinking. So 
for example, if you give me a funny look now, or I perceive what I think is a funny look, it may or may not reflect reality. And I can know that if I'm not able to evidence test or reality test my thinking, think, oh, she gave me a funny look, oh, this is a setup, oh, some, you know, just, and you can go off on a, on a tangent. Uh, if you can reality test, you know, well, maybe I saw something, maybe she was just trying not to yawn or, you know, just the ability to think there's more than one possibility outside of what you perceive. So that's one issue. I also think critical thinking has been completely blunted. So, for instance, um, to the point that I actually notice there are people who have no critical thinking skills, and that's a little bit concerning, uh, posted today that adults do not need to be coddled and soothed like infants. This should not be a controversial statement. And the number of people said, but I want to be coddled. And what's your problem? Why are you so mean? People should People deserve comfort. And they don't have the ability to 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 actually read the the sentence and comprehend it clearly, which is that adults do not need to be coddled and soothed like infants. That's the key point, you know. And notice that there's a different developmental stage between infancy and adulthood. And um, notice that that coddled, if you say someone shouldn't be coddled, that doesn't automatically mean you're saying people shouldn't be treated well or given care or support. It's just a, a complete lack of the most basic critical thinking skills. And instead, just completely given giving in to whatever knee-jerk feeling arises. I don't like the statement you made, which equals your statement is bad and you are bad. So there's so much happening there that's, well, it doesn't lead to good outcomes, does it, when there's hundreds and thousands of people on social media behaving that way. And I think Again, the rest of the world knows this. It's the young people in the West, or the let's just say first worlders, who don't know this, who think that because you want something, you should have it. Because you want your feelings validated, randoms on the internet have to validate your feelings. As mm -hmm. opposed to thinking, actually, my feelings aren't important to anybody but me. Um, you know, you're making something that basically personal, some kind of public thing. It's very... Um, it's very, very self-involved. It's very entitled. And no, I mean, in an ideal world, yes, maybe maybe you'd get what you want and everything would be fair and, you know, everyone would be entitled to respect and housing and all those good things mm -hmm. that everyone should have. But we don't live in an ideal world. And I think there's a lot of people who like to ignore that fact and focus purely on these ideals. And as a result, when anybody mentions anything that's based in reality, they have these quite disproportionately emotional reactions. Right. The reality of the world is is what we live in, yeah. not this ideal world that everybody wants to live in. And yeah. I mean, I, I the the backlash that I think could come from that is people saying like, oh, well, not everybody can just go and get what they want because of obviously the inequality. How do you answer that comment? It depends how, how it's framed. If it comes from this, you know, this whole you're being ableist because of this and that and the other, that's often comes from a, a very like ideological place and it's very difficult to talk to people like that very very difficult 
um, you can try and have an honest, good faith conversation with them, but they'll just call you names and not particularly listen. I mean, I have PTSD, I'm neurodivergent, I have a chronic illness, some days I'm pretty crippled. And what's the alternative other than me working for myself and trying to create what I want and doing what I can with what I have? What is the Who is going to come and do it for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the question I'd like answered. You know, who who's going to come and fix it for you? Um, there isn't anybody. So I guess this follow-up question is about cancel culture. How do you feel about that? And how can critical thinking come to play here? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm opposed to cancel culture because harassing people to the point that they have breakdowns, how is that going to fix whatever you think they did wrong? Um mm-hmm. You know, where's the room for redemption? Where's the room for people to make mistakes and grow? Where's the room for opinions that, um, you know, conversation is one of the ways we progress ideas. So you and I'll have a conversation. Hopefully we'll both go away with something new um, Mm -hmm. from before the conversation. Hopefully both our thinking will be slightly more refined. And that's how you progress ideas. That's not allowed in the public sphere really anymore. Progressing ideas is not what they want. They want to crystallize their ideas. And, you know, I I realized when um, I've been through a couple of cancellations, as you can imagine, and I realized it doesn't matter that I'm an immigrant or that I'm Indian or that I'm a woman or um, any of the identity points that would, you know, so-called make me a protected class or a marginalized person or whatever. None of that matters. All that matters is that do you bend the knee to their ideas or not? If you mm-hmm. do, it doesn't matter, you know, what terrible things you've done, you're allowed to be part of the group. If you don't, they will rip you to pieces. How do we dissolve it? How do we mitigate it? How can we inspire people to to think before they tweet? <laughs> it's a difficult one because I think sometimes these social justice advocates think because you tell people something's wrong that they're not going to do it. People are going to murder and rape and kill. They know it's wrong. They do it anyway, right? Um, so in, in the same way, people know cancel culture is wrong. They know uh, unleashing a mob against somebody is not okay. It's not the right thing to do, and they know that 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 if they don't understand the difference between right and wrong, I don't know how you're meant to reach them. And the pe- it's it's the people who are kind of on the fence that maybe we can reach, and that's by talking about it mm-hmm. and not participating in it. And when you see somebody being cancelled or harassed by standing up for them um, against the mob. I think if everybody stood up to them and said, right, you're, you're just a pack of bullies, you need to stop this, they would stop. It's the social reward. People clap for them. That's why they keep doing it. And I think a lot of personality disordered traits have been given their, their day in the sun thanks to this climate that's been created. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing your opinion. I know it is hard considering the climate. Warmer weather is finally back. After so many cold months, it's nice to get outside and soak up the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring spring flowers, 
and sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I suffer from seasonal allergies. I just had them hit the other day. I couldn't breathe through my nose at all. And I popped a Claritin and it was like night and day. I'm a huge fan of Claritin. I use it on the regular and it always helps when we're making that transition from winter to spring, which is when my allergies flare up. Mainly it's my sinuses that get so clogged and the Claritin just clears it right up. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients and just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy throat and nose, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live your life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Let's talk about this toxic positivity and the things that people talk about, high vibe or vibrating higher. Like what are signs of actual positivity versus toxic positivity? I don't really love the phrase toxic positivity because it seems like we have such an epidemic of conditioning people into think that, thinking that they're victims, which is not the same as people who have actually been victimized. That's so much more prevalent than anything wrong with positivity. Um, you know, like problematizing positivity and gratitude, I really don't think is what we necessarily need to be doing right now but where it can be an issue is when if someone's really not okay or really in pain they come and turn to you and you just give them a platitude like you know be uh, just be positive or think positive or count your blessings Mm -hmm. it's not that there's anything wrong with those statements and those statements definitely have a place but they're just not always the appropriate answer So you're saying that it's not the worst thing on the internet. (laughs) So your brand's hashtag is in the trenches with you. Can you share what that means? It just means that I'm not some high and mighty person that solved everything and is telling you what to do. I'm working through my own stuff as well alongside you. So sort of in the trenches with you. You say you're not the monk? on the mountains. So you're not like talking down. Do you think that that's what is happening online? Is that a lot of condescending behavior? It's it's not condescending so much as if there's a small, a small link between condescension, a small distinction between condescension and being patronizing. It's sort of like, oh, poor you, poor you. (laughs) And then like, you know, your feelings are valid. It's very pitying. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree with pitying anyone. Um, 
No one who thinks that you're their equal will pity you. Um, no one who respects you will will kind of look down on you and say, poor you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I just, I don't believe in that approach at all. And the way it's kind of disguised as being a caring person to tell people you're valid and poor you. Um, I, I just, I don't agree with that. I look at other people as my equal. Um, I'd assume they're an adult with their own, you know, sort of fully operating faculties and talk to them like that. Also on Instagram, you always get so many different messages. There's the messages yeah. that you, you might read on your account for, and then completely opposite ones with the coddling. And that exists across all types of topics. It ranges. What advice do you give to somebody who's navigating that? How do I know who to listen to? How do I even know if my beliefs or feelings are my own or something that I've just taken on from something I've read? I think it's um, a good idea not to let your beliefs get too crystallized. Um, Let your beliefs be something that are, you know, like strong convictions loosely held. Have the the mental flexibility to change your mind if you're presented with better evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really important. And what's also important is there's so, so many voices on the internet. It's like a cacophony of screaming listen to my message Mm -hmm. and don't listen to any message completely blindly and swallow it whole, including mine. Please think about whether that applies to you. And that's something that comes down to personal responsibility as opposed to this kind of learned helplessness of only other people can tell me what to think. No, you must think about it yourself too. Mm -hmm. And you must take, take a bit of time away and think, um, does this actually apply to me? Um, does this have any, you know, use in my life? Do I agree with this? What does this bring up for me? Why does this bring this up for me? Um, you know, and also remember that just because you don't like something doesn't mean that it's a personal attack on you. Um, just kind of navigating this is very difficult and I have a lot of sympathy for people that are trying, you know, very sincerely trying to navigate these ideas and do just want to find a bit of, you know, self-improvement information or inspiration on the internet. But I would say to them with a lot of love that the internet is not necessarily the place for that. And, um, Hot take. you know, you have to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have to take that with a little bit of a pinch of salt. And everyone, including me, is a fallible human being just like you, does not have any magical answers figured out. Um, just because somebody presents themselves as, look, I figured out the truth, doesn't does not mean they have. That's often a marketing tactic. Um, and just remember that nobody online is there because there's some Mother Teresa who wants to just save the world. Um, most people are there promoting themselves and building brands and all that kind of stuff. So bear that in mind too. Um, And if you really are not well or not okay, please go to an actual therapist. Um, Yes, it's difficult to access it and there's an issue with that, but I can't solve the whole mental health crisis myself. But, you know, my, my, my advice would always be if you actually have some self improvement goals or some healing to do or something you want to work through, actually go to a professional. Mm -hmm. Um, do not look at Instagram. 
What if, like you said, they don't have the resources but may need to see a therapist? Do you have any advice for someone like that? I think my advice for someone like that would be uh, it's a, it's it's very difficult. I don't think there's an easy answer here. Um, you know, if you're in the UK, there is there are lots and lots of therapists who offer therapy on sliding scales that is very affordable and it's means tested. I think some in America, quite a few in America do as well. They offer sliding scales. You just have to ask them about it. Um, I think in America as well, you have a lot of community mental health, which is not great, but it's something. Mm -hmm. um, again, in the UK, we have the NHS. They're very long waiting lists, but again, it's something. And there's, there's no, again, it comes down to this is not an ideal world and there's no ideal easy answer here. Um, go and do your research, try and find somebody if you can. Mm -hmm. And if you're actually unwell, go to your physician. And, and ask them to signpost you. Physicians or general practitioners generally do have a list of resources and people for, you know that are affordable. That's great advice. So I know we talked very negatively about social media, but are there any? Do you believe that there are any <laughs> benefits or positives to social media? And if yeah. so, <laughs> who are some of your favorite people to follow? And what should you use social media um, for? I think you should use social media, um, you should curate your social media very, very carefully and intelligently. So don't have anything on your feed that's going to, you know, like I often find that you, people will have mutuals with somebody and um, they always have some drama going on and then you're looking at that stuff and it's making you feel stressed out. Don't follow stuff like that. Put things in your feed that actually nourish you and that add some value to your life. Listen to intelligent people. Find thinkers, authors you like. Like I follow a few hashtags like forest photography, just mm. because it's so beautiful. And I just I love I love nature and it breaks up the monotony of the one hot take after the next. Um, discon disconnected thoughts from people that you don't necessarily agree with that make you feel very disorientated, which is what looking through your feed does to your mind. Break it up with things that make you stop and breathe, like a beautiful picture of nature or whatever it is that makes you feel that way. Um, ruthlessly block, like you should not have to suffer the contempt or cruelty of strangers ever. So do that. And the positives of, of social media are uh, the the way we can connect. So you and I wouldn't be speaking now if it wasn't for social media. Mm -hmm. I've met some of my best friends through social media. So there is definitely a positive element there. Um, unfortunately, is attached to a dumpster fire. So <laughs> it's sometimes hard <laughs> well, to I actually um, want to ask you, curating the feed though, is that not coddling yeah. like your own beliefs? Or like, is that not making everything you see besides pretty pictures coming from one thought? That's a very good question. And I think it's, you don't want to, you don't want to curate your feed so that you're in an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. um, you want to curate your feed so that it's, it depends what you want to get out of it, really. Like, um, if it's a professional account, maybe you just want to follow other professionals that in the in the same field. If it's your personal account, maybe you just want to follow things that are your interests and hobbies and things like that. Um, 
I don't think it's necessary that you have to use social media to engage in the culture war ideas. Um, maybe you don't want to have anything to do with that. And I think that's okay. And it's not coddling because people have stressful enough lives. Maybe you don't want to go on the internet and see people shrieking and screaming and being offended. And then mm -hmm. if you do want to engage in that stuff, um, follow a variety of voices. But like for me, my rule is I don't, I don't follow people who, um, uh, nasty to people that, that they don't agree with. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. Um, yeah. I can disagree with them and see they're an honorable, good person. And I'm happy to listen to their ideas and think through them and, you know, let their ideas refine my thinking, but I don't want to deal with people that are, well, I, I, I guess my, perspective might not be the same as your listeners because I'm often one person with 200k people and sometimes that can be a lot so you want you you end up with a slightly different perspective but if that's not your situation yeah follow a follow a wide variety of voices and um you have to remember that you're responsible for your experience online to a certain extent which is so if someone's consistently terrible and every time you see their content, it makes you feel like shit. Please unfollow them. That's your responsibility. If um, someone's content doesn't fit you and you don't like it, don't keep attacking them. Just unfollow them and find something that does fit you in your context. Mm -hmm. So it's a balance and there's um, there probably is a line where it would fall into coddling. Um, mm hmm but then there's also there's also part of it that's just to do with healthy boundaries. Right. Like we said earlier, there is a, there is variability across all of this. Yeah. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We have one fun little thing to do at the end of this, which is DST confessions. And this topic <laughs> is inspired by something you have written on your website which is you okay. have an obsession for something. So the topic of today of this confessional topic is what movie are you so obsessed with that you can recite the lines? <laughs> <laughs> What's yours? One, probably, probably Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you know, all the lines to all of the movies. I definitely don't know. No, I definitely don't know all the lines to all the movies. <laughs> movies like four hours long <laughs> exactly no just the fun just a few of the funny ones um <laughs> i don't know if there is any film i know all the lines to actually i don't i don't think there's there is any film i know all the do you do you are there any movies you know all the lines to the movie that i know every single line to is you've got mail <laughs> but it's not necessarily no yes not necessarily my favorite movie my favorite movie is the big short have you ever seen that? Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Is that good? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> You're asking the wrong person <laughs> if it's good. <laughs> it's one. It's it's about it's about the economic crisis of 2008 and what happened. But oh. it is a really well done movie. Ryan Gosling is in it. 
Michael Scott. Oh my God, what's his name? Steve. Uh, Stephen Carell. Stephen Carell. Thank you so much. Steve Carell. But so your final answer is Lord of the Flies. Is there a particular Lord of the, one? No, Lord of the Rings. No, Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, at the moment, more than Lord of the Rings, I'm so into Game of Thrones again. Um, oh, yeah. I'm just like... I, I don't know what how many times I've watched it, but I'm watching it again now because it's just, oh, it's so good. My dog's name is Lady Sansa. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was born very red hair, right, red furred, and now yeah. it's more blonde. So the name doesn't really make any sense anymore, <laughs> but it's more of a no, Targaryen. It's a brilliant name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Sira. So for those who are listening and are interested in learning more, where can they reach you? Are you taking new clients? So if they don't hate me at the end of this, <laughs> they can find me on Instagram. At the moment, I'm not taking any clients. I do have a waiting list people can join through my website. So they, there's there's that. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Go check out Sirat's content. And that is it for today's episode of Diet Stars Tomorrow. I will be back this coming Thursday to answer your dear DST questions and have our workout woman back. And please email us DST at Betches.com to get them answered. Again, follow us at Diet Stars Tomorrow. Follow me at Aileen. Follow Sirat at Sirat Kechala on Instagram. We're always with you. Through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Stacey Wong, and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com. Betches.